Hello and welcome to the Geek Guild, a podcast where we talk about all things geek. My name is Alexis and today I am joined with Zan and we are going to discuss the legendary game Super Smash Brothers. So Zan, I thought we could start with a dive into the history of the game. Is that cool with you? Sounds good with me. So what do you know about Super Smash Brothers before I dive into this? Super Smash Brothers is one of Nintendo's greatest party games ever created with five entries in the series in total starting at the 64 and ending at the Nintendo Switch. Every game has been improved upon since the last one with the most recent one including every character ever included in the series. Oh wow. See I don't know about that last bit but I can oh, talk yeah, about, the, yeah. I can talk well, about yeah. the 64 all day. Oh yeah yeah later later we get to ultimate later. Okay. So, Super Smash Bros. is published by Nintendo and was created by Masahiro Sakurai, who has also directed all the games in the series. It's a crossover fighting game that primarily features characters from various Nintendo franchises, such as Pokemon, Legend of Zelda, and Mario. The goal of the game is to increase your opponent's damage counter and knock them off of the stage. And this differs from traditional fighting style games where you try where you're trying not to deplete life bars. So that kind of puts it on this ol- its own platform to start with, which is really part of the reason why so many people were drawn to it. In 1996, Masashiro Sakurai, along with the Kirby series co-creator Satoru Aidoa, began the development for a fighting game prototype. In the Game Informer article, Idawa handled the programming for the prototype and Sakurai handled the work on the design, planning, movement, and modeling. And they had an additional team member who helped with the sound, but I couldn't find the name of that person, so I don't know who helped with the sound. It was the original Super Smash Bros. was created as an underground project, so there's very little accurate information on it to begin with because it was never meant to be a published game, so none of that was ever documented like it would be for a modern video game. I read that it was kind of like a side project they did on the weekends. Yeah, it was It was really... None of the Smash Brothers games have been given the maximum amount of attention. Like, a uh, fun fact, it was actually it's actually this year happening right around this time when Nintendo's actually started their first sponsored Smash Brothers tournament. Up until just recently, every Smash Brothers tournament, everything to do with the game has really been sponsored from an outside body, such as the community, Sakurai himself, his company, Sora. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, it said that they wanted to build a game that used the control stick on the 64, the analog stick and take advantage of the four-player capabilities that the console had while offering a different take on the 2D fighting game genre. And before the prototype had a working title, Sakurai wrote on the cover of the planning document, Four-Player Battle Royale. And then the prototype was called Dragon King the Fighting Game, or Kakuto Gimu Ruo. I think I pronounced that right. I don't ask me. <laughs> and the project did not start out with any Nintendo locations or characters because they weren't sure 
about the fans' reactions to having Nintendo characters fighting each other. Um, I believe Dragon Fighter actually went on to be its own series. I'm not sure. I, it was a traditional fighter, I remember, but I'm not sure much about it. But I remember that name ended up becoming something else later down the line. I believe the rights were purchased from somebody else from uh, Nintendo themselves. Oh, wow. Have you seen any of the, like, stills from that prototype? I've seen them. I don't remember what they look I'm actually going to pull up Google, because I have seen them before, but I have no clue what they look like, because I don't remember. They used, like, faceless generic characters, and um, it had a photograph in the background of the Yamanashi prefixture that Sakurai took as the backdrop. But with, like, the characters, it kind of looks a little bit creepy. Yeah, it's really weird looking. Smash Bros. Beta. I don't even know what to look up to find them. Uh, try Dragon... Oh, there it is, yeah. Yeah, 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 just the red, green, blue, and silver dude over the backdrop of a town. Yep. (laughs) Sakurai said of the importance of incorporating recognizable characters for a console release is as follows. With a game for the arcade, it's okay for character development to take a back seat since players are content with the fighting. Sakurai said in the Idawa Asks interview, with a fighting game for the home console, however, you have to set up the general image or the atmosphere of the gaming world right from the start or else the game suffers. That's why I asked to use Nintendo characters. Because he kind of wanted to make it more enticing to the people at home as opposed to if you went to the arcade to play the fighting games. It's one of the biggest draws of Smash Brothers is that you can play any other fighting game and they will have guest characters like uh, Soul Calibur having Link in it and other games like uh, Tekken having Street Fighter characters in it. But Smash Brothers is entirely made up of guest characters. Yep. And despite Shigaru Mayamoto, who created Mario, refusing to let Hal use the Nintendo characters, Idawa instructed Sakurai to produce a working prototype to use them anyway. And they used a prototype that had Donkey Kong, Mario, Fox, and Samus, and they presented it to uh, Mayamoto. And it actually impressed him so much that they allowed how to use the characters for the project. I love that they just did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Shigeru Mi- I'm not trying to be a grammar not. No, you're fine. Shigeru Miyamoto. Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, you said, well, you said Miyamoto the first time. <laughs> I'm not great with name pronunciations, clearly. I've heard them a hundred times. I know it's not easy. Miyamoto was funny, though. <laughs> Miyamoto. Okay. Um. Should I re-record that or just leave that in there? Oh no, that's it. Don't matter. Okay. Um. Sakurai said, "I had created Smash Brothers to be my response to how hardcore exclusive the fighting game genre had become over the years. If we want new people from this generation of gamers to come in, then we need it." accessible, simple, and playable by anyone. We should not try and separate the casual gamers from the core gamers. 
Idawa said in his discussion with Sakurai. After all, everyone ends up, everyone starts off as a casual gamer. Some of these casual gamers will end up falling in love with gaming. Despite this though, I think people too often treat them as entities that are inherently diff different. So they really sought out to create a game that anyone could play, that it wasn't too difficult. Yeah, that's the that's the mindset that's really driven the differentiation between every Smash Brothers game. Apart from 64, because that was obviously the baseline, you can really pinpoint in different Smash Brothers games what the what caused them to change the game, and it all goes back to that point. Like with Super Smash Brothers Melee, because of the way they made it. It was too difficult and people did not like it. And so the game just following that, Super Smash Bros. Brawl, is very unpopular now because of how watered down it is with things like randomized tripping, characters with very easy movesets, a lot more focus on less competitive means and more of story-driven being the only Smash Bros. game with a real story mode to it. Looking at Smash Bros. 4, which was very broken because they tried to make that that differentiation happen, but they couldn't balance it very correctly. And then now with Smash Brothers Ultimate being the only other Smash Brothers title to truly gain as much popularity as Super Smash Brothers Melee. Oh wow. I thought Melee had like a storyline though. Well like some sort of a storyline. It has it has story elements to it. It has a plot, but Super Smash Bros. Brawl has an actual story mode, like a playable story mode with not just like cutscenes interlubed with fight scenes, like full on like different gameplay. Like it looks like a completely different game if you don't know what Smash Brothers looks like. The only other Super Smash Brothers game with a quote unquote story mode is Ultimate, but it's really just going through and doing a bunch of fights and learning plot as you go. But uh, it was called the Subspace Emissary. It is the best story mode in a fighting game that I've ever seen. I think I only played that one once or twice. I haven't really dived too deep into it yet. Yeah, I beat it like 800 times. It's really not that good, but for the for <laughs> being a fighting game, it's the plot is really nice. The levels are pretty alright. Even the final boss is really good. So the game, the original, was released for the Nintendo 64 in Japan on January 21st, 1999, and in the States on April 26th of the same year. And it was very well received and sold over 5 million copies by 2001, which is the year that the GameCube came out and shortly after Melee came out. It's the best, or it's the fifth best selling game on the Nintendo 64. And the characters that were used for the game are re often referred to as the original 12. And they were Mario, Donkey Kong, Link, Summus, Yoshi, Kirby, Fox, Pikachu, Luigi, Ness, Captain Falcon, and Jigglypuff. Yep. All of which have been in every Smash Brothers title since then. They have, ma they have made an appearance in every one of them. I feel like it would be cheating if they weren't. <laughs> Well, you'd be surprised when there are, uh, let me think of the roster, uh, Mewtwo, Roy, um, Mewtwo, Roy, and Lucas only having two appearances between them. Oh, wow. Yeah, Roy and Mewtwo started in Melee, and then they both came back as DLC for Smash Brothers 4, but it was kind of a bad DLC, 
their first real appearance back was with Ultimate, where everybody was back. Toon Link only has two appearances flat, Brawl and Ultimate. Wow. Yeah, because Toon Link was kind of the uh, replacement for Young Link from Melee until they realized how different the characters were, and then in Ultimate, when they brought them back, they kind of fledged them out. So that's all I had for the 64, and I know going from there, you're kind of the expert, so I thought I would let you give some facts about the games. Yeah, I mean, Super Smash Bros. Melee, the quickest development time of all of the Smash Bros. games, uh, maybe 64, I'm not sure, but Ultimate, I believe it was two or three months start to finish, a lot of straight up zero sleep days for uh, Masahiro during the development. And it's just amazing that they came out with a game so finished, and of course it has its flaws. There are plenty of characters and things in the game that are 100% unfinished. But it is a completely playable game with plenty of depth to it. And it's been making the competitive fight scene very happy since its release. I believe 2009 was the first time people really started competing with this game. Oh, wow. So yeah. what's your... What's your favorite Smash Brothers game? It would be Melee. Melee. Ultimate is a close follow-up for me, but Ultimate just doesn't hit right for me. Melee is just... Like, I could pick up Melee and know exactly what I'm doing. If I pick up Ultimate, I have to really relearn things. And I mean, I've played Ultimate online as well, and it's just, it's just not fun to me. But this game, playing with anybody, it's always a good time. Melee was my first introduction to Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, well, Bra Brawl was really my first introduction, because that's the first time I actually paid attention to what I was doing and, you know, enjoyed the game for what it was. But then after I got my copy of Melee off of eBay for too much money and really picked <laughs> up the game again, yeah, this game, like, can re like easily sell for $80. Like, next day, sell for $80. People love this game, and it's hard to find a copy, especially with how... Nintendo loves to, even with this old of a game, they still love to rampage people for not getting the game correctly, like, uh, especially mods of the game don't fly very well. Like, until recently, with the mod that allowed you to play the game online, mods were very hard to do because Nintendo would sue people for that kind of stuff. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a, there's a popular mod for uh, Brawl that turns it into Melee, basically. It's become a lot more than that, but the basis is it gives it Melee feel to it. And that game has, even recently, even in the last couple of months or so, there have been YouTube videos and tournaments and people who have been copyright striked and lawsuited out the wazoo by Nintendo just for playing a game that adds IPs. Because it's usually modifying the game doesn't make them angry, but when you add intellectual properties or other characters or other stages to a Smash Brothers game, it really ticks something with them. So, like, copying it is okay, but adding to it's not? Kind of, yeah, because, like, even with this most recent addition being online play through the mod called Slippy, it really didn't catch any attention until Nintendo got upset when they tried to add Wolf from uh, Star Fox to the game, which they did successfully, and it's still in the game, but the game really picked up when Nintendo started, you know, taking action to try and stop that until they realized they really couldn't. But even with uh, Project M, which is the name of that Brawl mod, uh, ever since the early days, there have been plenty of tournaments that have been notoriously shut down days before they were supposed to happen because Nintendo contacted them with lawsuits and whatnot. And there's even a popular uh, 
considered the best melee player of all time, Mango, who would run, who has been recently running Project M tournaments on his YouTube channel, and those have been getting taken down, those videos. It is an ongoing battle with Nintendo, and even with them having a their own Smash Brothers line of tournaments going on right now, they are still refusing to allow modified versions of the game to fly. I feel like if they kind of played into it a little bit, it could be really good for them. I mean... I mean, I get it, but at the same time, like... Like, like I would get it more like with something like Ultimate that's current and has only recently stopped being added onto, but this is a 30-year-old game that they do not sell even the slightest lick of content for. Like, not no nothing for the GameCube, for Smash Brothers Melee, anything is sold by Nintendo. It is completely used copies of everything relating to Melee. Used cartridges, used GameCubes, used controllers, used copies of the game itself, and they still just drop the hammer anytime anybody does any kind of modification, anytime anybody doesn't have a physical copy of the game, stuff like that. Like, that used to be a problem with uh, Smash Brothers tournaments, is even on original hardware, because you couldn't reasonably get hundreds of copies of Melee in one place without breaking them, they would load the game's data onto hard onto uh, SD drives and play them on Wii's, and that would end up getting Nintendo's attention because they didn't have hard copies. Wow. Yeah, it's wild how hard they patrol this game that they don't put any effort towards fixing until recently with their $75 first place prizes. <laughs> So who's your favorite character to play in the whole series? In the whole series? Oh, that's a hard pick. My favorite character, it kind of changes between games, because in Ultimate, it would actually be characters like Ken and Ryu from Street Fighter. I like the uh, the uh, Shoto characters, because you can actually, in Ultimate, you can use their inputs from Street Fighter, and it really plays well with the game. But my favorite character overall would probably be Melee Falco. Being yeah. my being my main for the game and being what I consider to be the most melee character in the game. Being an absolute glass cannon that can drop stocks at 0% and then lose stocks at 0%. I really like Pikachu. <laughs> I like the yeah. movement that Pikachu has yeah, in the grass. It's sad because there's like, there's like two Pikachu mains total that are actually making waves. Like, there are a couple characters that even really low-tier characters, like uh, Dr. Mario being one of them with his very weak recovery, he has a lot of players towards him. But characters like Pikachu have two. Characters like Ice Climbers have definitely single digits of characters. Characters like Yoshi have only had one real main that has been around since 2009, but he's really been the only one. And he's the only, like, the, like Yoshi is considered a mid-to-high-tier character, but only because of one player's actions. What are those actions? Just absolutely crushing tournaments. Even though Yoshi's a very flawed character, his name is Amsa, Japanese player, and he absolutely dominates in Japan 100%. And even when he comes to the states, after after you know, even after the lockdown with him not competing in the Americas at all, he comes over and is still just as good as when he left. He's absolutely amazing at the game, and it and it really helps that he's the only person who plays Yoshi because it's very hard to understand how to play that character unless you've been around with him since the early days of Melee. Yoshi's one of my least favorite characters to play along with Ice Climbers. I have actually, very recently, because Ice Climbers has really been the, the last character 
that I couldn't get my head around. And I've been recently playing ice climbers and learning how to do handoffs and stuff like that so I could reliably say that I can halfway decently play every character in the cast. And now I can't say that. Which makes me very happy. I should actually have the game booted. I want to go see how many hours I have on this version of the game. Because I know I started an unmodified copy, but I wonder if this tells me. So you have a modified copy on a console? Yes, it is a... It is a version called, uh, what's it called? Hang on. Uh, yeah, 20XX is what they call it. It's the tournament edition of the game, technically. It's a mod made by, the name is actually on the, oh, I have to hit the reset button to find that. But, uh, it's a guy that's very well known in Smash Brothers and in, uh, speedrunning. He makes a lot of speedrunning copies for the, have you ever heard of Doki Doki Literature Club? No. Oh, it was a, uh, it's a, like, horror-based, um read-along game it was kind of popular like a couple years ago because it was really creepy but he made that and then people realized later that this was the same guy that was making tournament versions of all of our favorite smash brothers games but it just it doesn't really do much it doesn't hard modify the game you know you have to go in and do things in the settings to get it to boot up in the first place but it really just does little changes like it gives you an input display it gives you little like flashes on your character for when you do certain text correctly. It automatically sets the it automatically sets versus mode to the tournament legal setting. It removes as you've seen it removes a lot of the stages that aren't tournament legal. It just makes a lot of quality of life changes with the game. It doesn't do anything major unless you set it to do so. Oh wow. So I don't know much about mods. Is it like a physical disc or like it How is actually it's actually a uh, storage card. I bought it for like ten dollars on eBay, and it's really like it. The mod itself uses like a fraction of the total storage, so it's really just a fifteen megabyte card that can also modify melee. But you just throw in the card and you boot up melee, and it boots like anything else. And then you go and you try and enter the name entry under versus mode, like you would go to add names. And then it kind of like freezes the game, resets it, and then it reboots with this mod installed. So it's completely, the disc is completely unchanged, the GameCube is completely unchanged. The game card, for the most part, is completely usable with anything else. It's just solely can modify the game when you go through the menus and set it to do so. It's very, very convenient. Well, that's really nifty. So I've also looked up some interesting facts about Super Smash Brothers, and I'm gonna see if you know any of them. Um, all right. So all of Captain Falcon's moves were recycled from Dragon King. I did not know that. That is, that that actually makes sense because uh, uh, it was Captain Falcon, and then later down the line with Little Mac. Those are two characters that were added with absolutely no moveset to base off of because captain falcon came from f-zero which is a racing game so there was absolutely nothing fighting at all to base captain falcon off of so his moveset is completely custom made i thought that there, was really cool. there are a handful of characters that have kind of custom movesets and stuff like that but it's captain falcon especially even little mac is a boxing character from uh what's the game punch out yeah. So he, you know, he's a boxer, he boxes, but there's not really a moveset you can give to a race car enthusiast. So they really custom made his moveset and they did a fantastic job of it too. Um, another one I found interesting was Bowser 
King Dedede, Mewtwo, and Meowth were intended to be in the original game, but they weren't actually used. But Bowser, King Dedede, and Mewtwo were in the later installments, but Meowth never appeared. Yeah, Meowth was only ever an assist trophy. Fun fact, Bowser was actually added in a melee after there was a poll on the internet in, like, 1998. So this is back when, like, you know, you had to be pretty well off to have the internet. And they made a poll on Nintendo's quote-unquote website for characters for the next Smash Brothers game. And Bowser was the winner of that competition with a whole 12 votes. 12 votes? Yes. Uh, another fun fact. the I think the fifth runner-up for that poll simply said any Fire Emblem character. Which is really ironic because Ultimate, I believe, has like 12 or 13 Fire Emblem characters currently. So that guy really got what he asked for. <laughs> Just a few years late. Yeah, they're actually because Melee had its first had its first two with Marth and uh, Roy, and then Smash Four got Lucina. No, Brawl got Ike, and then Smash Four got Lucina, and then Ultimate got like ten more. Hmm. They've added quite a couple of those. Oh, another fun fact uh, about Captain Falcon: his voice lines haven't changed since the uh, since Melee. I didn't know that. Yep, they changed voice actors for Melee, as you can tell. Yeah. And then ever since Melee, every other game has just been cleared up audio from the original Melee. So that vo all the voice recordings for Captain Falcon throughout Smash Brawl, Smash 4, Ultimate, Smash 3DS, all of those are the same voice lines from the same guy in the early 2000s. That's gnarly. It is gnarly. And then Fox, on the other hand, has had a different voice actor for literally every game. I can see that. Yeah. Another one that I found were characters appear on the select screen in the order they were created. So, like, when you look at that select screen, they're all in order by when they were yeah, created. And, uh, yeah, I was about to say in 64, I thought we were talking about Melee, and I was like, I'm pretty sure Mario was made before Dr. Mario. Yeah, in the, in the, in the yeah. original. <laughs> Yeah, I did not know. I don't know a lot about 64. I haven't play I didn't play 64 until I came over and played on your N64. Before then, the only thing I knew about the game is what I read about. That was the first time I actually played it. That was the first time I found a physical copy of it. Before most of my knowledge came from Melee. Yeah, I mean, I definitely say Melee is a better game than 64 because it has, you know, double the move set and a lot of extra things about it, but old 64 certainly is a great Smash Brothers game, and I'm definitely going to be buying it in 64 at some point so I can own that game. I definitely recommend it. I love the 64. It's my favorite console. I've definitely got to hunt one down. I just got to actually, you know, hunt one down because those things come by very rarely in decent shape. Another fact that I found was the game has connections to the James Bond universe. With that motion sensor bomb that's found in all of the games. Okay, it's yeah. actually from GoldenEye 007, which is also an N64 game. Yeah, you absolutely lost me for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue what you were talking about. Yeah, the motion sensor bomb was indeed from 007 and that actually spawned a whole offset of people thinking 
that James Bond was going to be in Smash Brothers at some point. And when Snake was announced for Smash Brothers Brawl, a lot of people thought that that was actually James Bond. That's also like what it said in that little fact paragraph that I'm that I found all these on. Yeah, that snake was that snake was supposed to be uh, James Bond. There is actually uh, in uh, Project M that brawl mod. There is, I believe, a skin for Snake that just straight up turns him into James Bond. That's gnarly. It is pretty gnarly. I'd really want to play. Uh, project m because it's not you can install it on your console without even having any like hard mods to your wii you can just download it with like sd cards and stuff but i've been trying to do that for like a month now and i keep breaking it you probably shouldn't break it well i mean i've been breaking the wii i've been breaking the software because i keep trying to get the software to install but i don't have good internet so it takes like hours between attempts to get it to work i've actually most recently found out that the thing i've been doing wrong is that the way I've been trying to use a version that works kind of like the Melee version, where instead of having to uh, modify the Wii itself, you can run it off of Vanilla Brawl using the stage loader, or using the custom stages. But the problem is, is that I've been downloading these mods onto, you know, standard SD cards, and then putting them in there, and then nothing happens when you go to the stage loader to try and load the mod. And that is because Brawl, for some reason, does not read an SD card over 2 gigabytes. So I have to find a 2 gigabyte SD card. I feel like that's going to be a little bit difficult. I the, the only lead I found so far is that if I purchase a camera, that it will come with 2 gigabytes. But I'm not doing that. So I'm just trying to find somebody that has a 2 gigabyte SD card laying around. And I have found no one. So if anybody out there is listening, maybe help Zan out. I will give you my shipping address. I will buy you breakfast, please. <laughs> I just want to play Project M. And a really funny fact that I read was that Smash Brothers will let you play how much do you weigh with Nintendo characters. So it says that all the characters in the game have specific weights and you can compare them using the hanging platforms in the middle of the unlockable Mushroom Kingdom stage. Oh yes, you can. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, their weights actually affect that. Their weights affect a when it like uh, in terms of competition, their weights affect a lot. So, I didn't. I actually well, I didn't know about that, but I never really thought about the uh, how much do you weigh portion and the fact that you could read that on the uh, in-game files or that in the, I believe that's in the uh, trophies menu. It probably says that their weight. But yeah, their weight is actually accounted for in the game. In fact, there are certain characters whose throw animations will get slower or faster depending on their weight. And Bowser himself, the heaviest character in the game, has some throws that do not work at all on lighter characters. Like Jigglypuff, his down throw does 0%. I believe that because Jigglypuff's so light and like airy. Yeah. I mean, it, t it actually technically makes sense because Jigglypuff being the balloon character would not... Because his down throw is like a body slam. So Jigglypuff really wouldn't get flattened by that, and Game and Watch, the other character that does that 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 doesn't work on, he also you know he's flat. So I guess it technically makes sense until you get to Pichu, which it doesn't work on either. I did not like Pichu in the game. P Why would you? Pikachu's <laughs> right next to Pikachu. Pichu. Pichu's just worse Pikachu. There's no. There actually was a um a hacker that would go to melee tournaments with a SD card with melee on it like which would be the traditional way to play in a tournament setting but he would always specify that he plays on his copy of melee 
because he had a version of the game where he could activate cheats for Pichu that would just make the character absolutely broken and would then go around talking about how he can be anybody with his Pichu. No, no one's gonna believe that because Pichu's just Pichu. <laughs> oh no, it's really because back then the way they caught him is by hearing him talk about his mods but somebody recreated based off what they could see like from video footage of him playing they recreated what the hitboxes would have looked like on his modified Pichu and it is like several feet of distance between his like appendages and the hitboxes that he created for that poor character. <laughs> like you like you'd see like you know the up air is like the tail swing and then you'd look at like like remade versions of his mod and the hitbox goes out like an extra foot on top of that. Like Mewtwo tail distance. That's a little bit like cheating, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, straight up cheating. I believe he is banned for life, even though he probably doesn't play anymore, because that was really just a joke on his part. But it's just very interesting, because he got very... He won a lot of actual money at these tournaments playing with a modified character. And of course, this wasn't a considerable amount of money, but it's still money being won while cheating at Smash Brothers. It's which kind is of like, frowned it's upon a, in the gaming world. Yeah. I mean, I just find it amazing that in a, in a 30-year-old analog... Nintendo game that you're playing in person, it is still possible that people found a way to cheat. Cheaters always find a way. Cheaters always find a way. And they always win. Um, I actually saw a fun fact about Brawl where it said that Sonic and Tails would be unlockable and that the rumors got so out of hand that on the official website, they had to clarify they were not unlockable. In Brawl? Yep. In Brawl, Sonic is unlockable. He's a character. Maybe it was before then. That's what it says on it the may website. Have, that, may have been, that may have been before development. Or that may, that may have been a mistake and they meant to say Melee. But yeah, Sonic is actually... In Brawl, that was his debut. Tails is not. Tails is a trophy. But Sonic is an actual unlockable character in that game. It may have spawned from that. It would not surprise me because he Maybe was a... Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, he was a big fan favorite and a character that a lot of people speculated was hidden in Melee. Because, you know, back in the day, that was what everybody liked to do, is speculate what's hidden. But, uh, yeah, Sonic was, in fact, added to Brawl. In fact, it was very interesting the way he was unlocked in Brawl. Because back before you could Google who was in a game, the only way to unlock him was by completely finishing the story mode, where he would show up at the very end of story mode to, uh kind of save all of the characters from their demise. He just shows up out of nowhere, and if you don't, you know, back in the day playing that, if you wouldn't have been able to look up where to find Sonic and you just found him like that, not knowing he was in the game, it would have been really cool. That's one of the things I liked about Melee when I first started playing was, back then, there wasn't really anywhere to look up how to unlock characters, they just kind of happened. You should, yeah, because that's, a, that's the funny <laughs> thing about it is that most of the cast has to be unlocked in certain ways, but there's a good half of the unlockable characters that you can unlock just by playing versus mode matches. So you can unlock some characters through the traditional means, and then some of the characters, if you just played enough, would just show up at the end of a match. And so you'd never have a really good idea what you did to unlock them. Yeah, it just kind of happened. I know... There was a rumor that you could unlock Toad by shooting every single target at the credit scene. Oh, yeah. But that but actually, was... uh, 
it actually really re more recently than you think that that actually happened. I think it was 2018 when the first person actually finished that uh, credit screen shooting every single target possible. I believe the score you get is 270. It's either 2 or 370. And yeah, it's actually incredibly difficult to do that. And it makes it a whole lot better whenever you consider people that believed you could unlock it like that. Because it's so incredibly hard to do such a thing like that. I would have been so mad if I actually did it and then there wasn't Toad at the end. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, yeah, more recently, once the internet came around is when that really spiraled off, when people got good at video editing and could make fake rosters with all the original characters and then a matched-up version of a fake character, and then people would just seriously believe that. Like, if you go online and look up fake melee rosters or fake brawl rosters, you'll see, like, three times the amount of characters that are actually in the game, but it's all just put up together. And a lot of more recent ones will tell you that it's just like their dream roster. But back in the day, people, you really could convince somebody that Shadow the Hedgehog and and the duck from Duck Hunt was going to get put in a brawl. Which is really interesting because Sonic's part of Sega. Yeah, that's what, that's what really tripped people up with adding Sonic to the game. And then what really tripped people up about Snake, because even though Snake is a Capcom is a Capcom uh, IP, which is something that Nintendo works with a lot. He was a very R-rated character. Same thing when they put uh, Bayonetta into Smash 4. That was a very R-rated character from a R-rated game. And yet she still got into Smash 4 as the final DLC, which, uh, fun fact, ruined the game. Really? Yeah, Smash 4, the competition for Smash 4 died pretty much as soon as Bayonetta was added, because Bayonetta is... In terms of every Smash Brothers game, the most broken character out of all of them. Because uh, Meta Knight and Brawl was really bad about that. Uh, Fox and Melee is kind of bad about that. Pikachu is really dominant in Smash Brothers uh, 64. But in Smash 4 for the Wii U, Bayonetta was pretty much the most dominant character, dominant character in that game. Like the entire competitive meta, aka most effective tactic possible or available. The entire meta of Super Smash Bros. 4 was based around who could deal with Bayonetta and then who could deal with, like, the next two characters in line on the tier list. But Bayonetta pretty much runs Smash 4. It was incredible how dominant that character was. I've never played Smash 4. Is that was, only for the Wii? It's for the Wii U and for the 3DS, although there are actually differences between them. I don't think, in terms of characters, there is a difference, but there is a difference in stages and content overall. I actually really liked Smash 4. That was probably my, before I got my copy of Melee now, that is probably my second most played Smash Brothers game. Because I played that forever when I was younger. Because that game had a lot of content too. It didn't have a story mode or anything to a degree of that. But uh, what that game really introduced that nobody cares about, but is really interesting, is custom uh, Smash Brothers, or custom uh, special attacks where each character would have their base roster, which would be used for competitive play. But casually, if you played stuff like classic mode and stuff, you could unlock extra special attacks. Like, I believe there were four additional special attacks for every direction on every character. So there were a ton of different moves in the game that you could unlock. Well, that's a really good incentive to keep people playing. Yeah, I would play. I played that game for literal hours trying to unlock every uh, special move in the game. Like, I remember I used to play Falco... But I never liked how many... I, well, I used to play Fox, actually. But I didn't like Falco. The only thing I liked about Falco is that his lasers would flinch while Foxes would just do percent. And so I always thought, well, I'd much rather be Fox with Falco's lasers. 
And then when Smash 4 came out and I realized they had special abilities and you could unlock not only Falco's lasers on Fox, but you could also unlock, uh, you could also, you could also unlock F Wolf's laser on Fox, which Wolf's laser is like a really meaty projectile. It doesn't rapid fire, but it just does a lot of damage in one burst. And I thought that was really cool. Even on Falco, whenever I started playing that character, his laser could be changed into like a remote bomb. And so I'd play for hours just trying to unlock that. A lot of sweat and tears put into classic mode trying to do that. Oh, I'm sure. That makes me want to start playing. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Because you find one ability, or like you Google one ability, or you find one ability in the game that you like, and then you realize that there are like, you know, there's like 30-some, more than 30, I think. It's like 40-some characters in total, all of which having their base moveset plus the additional four... You know, do the math on 40 times 4, that is... I don't know how to do math. That's like 160 individual moves that you can unlock, and you want one of them. So is it like unlocking characters, where you have to do certain stuff to unlock the move? Um, I'm sure there were more ways to unlock it than just what I did, but the most efficient method was classic mode. You rank up the difficulty... And then the way their classic mode worked is you picked what battles you did and certain battles would be harder but they would give you more rewards and then with those rewards was a chance for a special move so not only did you have to complete special mode over and over for a single chance at a move but that was still a chance so you could walk away with no moves so oh it is, wow it is a very grueling process trying to unlock the unique characteristics of every character in Melee, one of the ones I could never get was Luigi, and uh, it turns out that in order to get Luigi, you have to finish the f Mushroom Kingdom's first level with a 2 in the second meter, in the second uh, meter. I believe it is any of the uh, times can be 2 minutes, but you get like 7 minutes to do it, so realistically you never get the minute hand of that, but I believe if there is a 7 anywhere in the counter it works, which is how I found it, I'd imagine. Because I doubt we played classic mode enough to actually find it, so I believe they made it to at any point, just in case somebody happened to take a while on that stage, they could realistically unlock it faster. But yeah, you would have to, uh, fun fact, you would have to do that, you'd get a special cutscene where uh, Mario would load in and then get knocked off the stage by Luigi. It was a really nice cutscene. But then another thing that people never really understood was that you also have a time limit to beat Luigi in that stage of classic mode. Because you'd be fighting Luigi and Peach, and I think you only have like two minutes, a minute and 30 seconds, something like that, to beat both of them. Otherwise, he just wouldn't unlock. And then you'd see that cutscene, you would just think it's a little Easter egg, and then you'd realize that that's the only way to have Luigi. Yeah, I never really got Luigi. The other one I was never able to do personally myself was Mr. Game & Watch because I never was able to do all of the targets. Yep, it, uh, Mr. Game & Watch is every character, every event match, every target test completed. It should, it's basically just complete the entire game. Yeah, one of the hardest ones to unlock, and now I have to go look and see which one it was. I have the game open, I'm going to look and see. Because I know one of them is completing every event match, and these event matches are actually hard. Um, who was it that you unlocked? 
I believe it was Mewtwo. It may have been Mewtwo that you unlock by completing every event match. And those event matches get way too hard. Like, I spent... I actually broke a couple controllers trying to finish those event matches recently. I think... I thought easy. it was 20 hours for Mewtwo on, like, the... The, um... The play versus mode. I might be wrong about me. I'm gonna Google it at... Well, I have my laptop open. Uh-oh. But, uh... I don't remember exactly who it was, but somebody is unlocked by, uh... Doing that. Some of the stages, too. Like, I know unlocking Final Destination was hard. Hold on. Um, Melee... And Marth was the easiest, because you just had to play a game with all of the starters. Yeah, Marth you just unlocked. And I believe Marth also has the lowest cap for, uh... I believe Marth also has the lowest cap for unlocking based on playtime. Um, yeah, here's the list. Jigglypuff... Yeah, complete classic mode once. Dr. Mario, complete classic mode with Mario, no continues. Yeah, Pichu is event match 37. And then, yeah, Mewtwo is 20 hours, you are correct. Um, yep, Roy is classic mode with Marth. Falco's complete the 100-man melee. I always hated those little melee figures that creeped me out. Oh, yeah. Yep, uh, Mr. Game & Watch is completing classic mode, adventure mode, or target test with every other character available. Which one was... Oh, okay, yeah, it was Yeah, it was Final Destination that is complete every event match. Because Final Destination is one of the best stages in the game because it's just a flat plane. It's one of the most fair... But you have to complete every event match, but the very last one to unlock it. Is that the one where you fight the master hand? Um, that is the very last one. The one you have, you have to complete 51, which is the one before it for Final Destination, which is honestly harder than Master Hand because you have to fight. I believe it is Giga Bowser from the end of Adventure Mode, Ganon, and Mewtwo at the same time, with one stock. Yeah, I've never made it that far. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do it now to refresh my memory, but yeah. It is very difficult unless you just pick Jigglypuff, and then you can spam Rest. And then, because uh, Giga Bowser dies really easy to Rest because it puts you in so much stun, he'll just fall off. So you can just mash down B, because usually the AI in this game likes to just throw out jabs and little hits. So they'll hit you out of the sleep part of Rest, and then you can just go right back to mashing it until you eventually, you know, get rid of all of them. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, it was. It's definitely not easy because I didn't know that the first time, so I just picked Falco and went at it, and I spent a lot of time trying to finish that. Oh, huh. Oh, I guess this mod doesn't have fifty-one unlocked. It only has Final Destinations match unlocked. Huh. Well, I guess I can't go play it. <laughs> You I mean, tried. I could, but I don't feel like swapping out game carts just to play an event match that I'm not going to enjoy. Yeah, this game is very in-depth, though. I definitely like it. And uh, there's a lot more to it that is competitive than just versus mode. There is a lot of speedruns of adventure mode, um, all-star challenge modes, a lot of mods that allow you to add different challenges to the game, uh, competitive home run contest. 
I think the speed runs were my favorite, like, little side quest thing. Because I love yeah, to definitely. see how far I could get get before time ran out. Yeah. Especially, uh, especially just doing regular speed runs of adventure mode. There are a lot of places that you wouldn't expect, like, uh, especially on very hard, where you can just get in a corner and have the enemies rack you up on damage. And then, uh, do you know what a tech is? Just a regular tech? No. It's, uh, if you, if you get hit at something, more like, more than likely the stage, and you hit shield as you hit the wall, it'll stop you in your tracks so that you don't, like, bounce off the stage and go straight down. So that's just a regular tech. If you get hit into the floor or a ceiling or a wall, you can hit shield and it'll stop your momentum. But in an adventure mode, especially on the course, uh, on Falcon's course where you have to outrun the cars, if you just crouch so that the cars hit you into the ground, you can tech one of the cars hitting you and then jump, and then you'll get sent flying as if you were hit regularly. But because you're technically not, you know, because you're technically not in hit stun which is what they call it whenever you're like flying around and flailing, the game doesn't kill you, so instead of flying off and losing the event, you just fly all the way to the end. I'm going to have to go try that now. You'll, you might want to look up a video. It's very not easy. I've tried to do it before because you have to crouch at a slope, and then you have to like mash shield so that all the first cars don't kill you, and then as the very last car comes through and hits you, you then have to tech it, jump, and then uh, air dodge to keep your momentum going. It's I mean, that very sounds not easy, easy, but peasy. it is cool. Easy peasy. <laughs> I'm gonna go try it. I'm gonna go see if I can pull it off. I don't remember what to do. Oh, it's adventure mode, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I've been spending most of my time just learning all these characters. I've actually, yeah, I've just started with Ice Climbers. Ice Climbers is gonna be the last character on my climb to learning all the characters like we were talking about earlier at the beach uh wobbling i've you know i've rediscovered wobbling which i i was actually wrong about wobbling when i first told you about it you have to hold towards your opponent and also tap a which is very difficult and then you get to indefinitely damage them and then i've also been trying to learn handouts which are a lot harder because you have to time juggling between the characters which another thing i figured out about handoffs is that they are random because I thought you could control where uh, Nana, the other ice climber, throws the opponent. It is entirely random and based off of where you are and how close to the edge of the stage you are. So there are certain points at which it is guaranteed to get the right throw, but especially at the middle of the stage, you just have to react to which way uh, Nana throws the opponent in order to get the handoff. Oh, wow. It's crazy how much details that... that the creators put into all of this yeah have to get everything just with, right it's amazing how many things in the game are completely intended that a lot of people don't realize like even with uh there's a mechanic in the game where if you hit shield as somebody hits you at the right time you just don't take as much damage which a lot of people thought was just a glitch but it's fully intended that if you get hit and you hit shield you don't take as much knockback which is not something you would think they would add to the second installment of a very indie game. Yeah. I guess not indie because it's a developer, but a very, a very underdeveloped title in terms of its long-term life.
I'm looking up some of the glitches that they have, and... Yeah, this game is chock full of glitches. I used to pride myself on knowing how to do, it, like, every major glitch in the game. Until I realized how not fun it is to try and remember how to do some very useless glitches, and so... I just decided to get good at the game instead, but there are a lot of really fun glitches. There are a lot of really massive glitches, too, like ways to completely crash the game. Ways to play as Master Hand, ways to create black holes that can actually damage your GameCube if you get them good enough. You can overheat your GameCube using Melee. The first one that pops up was that peach turnip thing that you did. Uh, what was it again? The peach turnips where, like, if you do it so many times, you get the, the stitch turnip. I think is what yep. you called it. Yep. That's another thing that's not even a glitch. That is fully intended. It's also fully intended. You can pull uh, Mr. Saturn, which is an item. You can pull bomb mobs. You can even pull a beam sword, which just act as regular items. You can just pull a sword, and it actually makes you a lot... It actually makes Peach a lot stronger. Like, pulling a turnip, or pulling a beam sword in tournament, which it's very rare. It's less than a... It's less than 1% chance of it happening. But pulling a sword can make or break a set. It's almost unfair whenever Peach pulls a sword because it gives her a lot of moves that are completely disjointed from her person itself. It also says you could use Peach to create a black hole glitch. Is that what you were talking about? Yep, the black hole glitch. It's a, it's kind of a glitch where... Uh, I'm trying to think of how it works. Oh, yes, that's right. You... Uh, you get uh, two of the space animals, Fox or Falco, and you just start reflecting back and forth a uh, ray gun shot. And then after enough times of reflecting, you'll just get a straight, like, like a barrier of laser beam shots. And then you throw turnips into that, and they get stuck because they're just constantly getting hit. And it starts to lag the game really bad. And then after a while, it'll just start self-sustaining, and then you can start throwing other types of projectiles into the mix. Like, especially Ness, with all of Ness's really flashy, like, energy-based projectiles. Shooting those into it can really stress out the GameCube. That's crazy that it could actually cause damage to the console. Yeah, I've seen it before. You can do, you can do that glitch so hard that if it doesn't crash the game... It could just overheat if your fans aren't working at optimal temperature. And I keep mine pretty clean, but it is possible. You can break a GameCube by using Peach's turnips. So I feel like Peach just won the most powerful player. <laughs> no, yeah. Peach is actually canonically a demigod. You just don't know it yet. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and talking Smash Brothers with me. That was a lot of fun. Of I appreciate I appreciate you letting me on here to talk about my favorite game. There ain't many other people I can say I know that are this interested in the game, especially because nobody else owns a copy of it. But yeah, I I'm never tired of talking about this game. And you know so much. <laughs> I I know a lot of it. I'm not the most knowledgeable. I'm sure the the OG 2009ers are uh, definitely out there and know a lot more than I do because they've been to it. But I definitely know a lot about it for somebody who hasn't really been around in this scene that long, I guess. Oh, well, even someone who, like, I had it when it was first released. I don't know nearly as much as you do. So, even some of the original people, you probably oh, yeah, beat some of them. Sure. <laughs> it, was, it's, it was very, it was very 
strange getting into competitive melee back in the day. That's why a lot of the original Smash Brothers competitors are such, you know, they're such fanatics of the game. is because they've been around since the beginning and they've been addicted to the game since before it was even realized to be a, a game that you could realistically be addicted to back when it was just Smash Brothers. Well, I hope that you have a good evening, and I appreciate it again. I will indeed. Uh, just a shout-out, in case anybody does happen to see this. There's actually a Smash Brothers commentator and a popular figure by the name of Chillin' Dude, who is currently, uh, there's currently a fundraiser out because he just had a stroke, and he's trying to recover from that. So if anyone happens to hear this and wants to find where to donate to Chillin' Dude. I don't know the numbers in his name, but if anyone wants to donate to Chillin' Dude, get him out of his stroke. There's a lot of merchandise. There's a lot of tournaments going around for him right now. And he certainly could use the help. He's been a figure of the community since the original days of one of the original uh, tournament operators. I will make sure I find that, find some links and link them in the show notes. So that... For sure. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, have a good night, Zan. You too.